right? Because it's not just coming from me. So I was very blessed. My coach back in, back in high school, he actually was an Olympic coach, studied the Japanese, the Russians, all, Olympi all Olympians, and he always said, study the best in the world. In other words, you guys know how the bell curve works, right? Most people end up where? In the middle, right? And most kids, they're trying to be cool, they follow the crowd. The problem with that is, where's the crowd gonna lead you? To the middle. So my coach would always tell us, you know, don't look around at your friends. Start studying the best in the world. How do the best athletes in the world think? How do the richest people in the world think? How do the happiest people in the world think? How do the best students in the world think? How do the holiest people in the world think? That's what we gotta start doing, looking at the top, not just looking at our friends. So we put this great compilation together that could just show some of the top athletes in most sports. We didn't have a baseball, because unfortunately Babe Ruth is dead. So, um, well here you have some other sports. All right, so when you look at the very best in the world, it becomes clear. You start picking up on these kind of patterns. So we talked about where we left off yesterday, the predator mindset, this book that we have. Over here, we got some extra copies over here. Uh, actually, start off with this crazy story. So when we first put this out back in, uh, back in January, so the hardcover, hard copy, I should say, when this came out, uh, this came out actually in September. We originally came out with an ebook back in January. Maybe some of you have it. Well, we just released it in January. February comes around. We get an email back, and it says from Lance Turkman. We're like, whoa, right? So like out of, out of nowhere, a month after we released the book. And he said, you know, this is great information. We actually put it on the back of here, where it has um, him saying thank you for putting together the great mindset information, developing the proper competitive mindset. We need more mental strategies like this uh, in baseball. And then we started, so we, one of our guys, one of our man managers went down and started helping out his and Andy Pettit's team down in Houston, Texas, Second Baptist, working with them. But again, it's just, you, you start to see the very best people, these high-level athletes, they're saying the same thing about mindset. And you just heard a lot about before, what are we doing when we're indoors? Being organized, structuring our practice time. What are we doing on days we can't be outside? And this is something we tell our athletes. This is something we tell our teams. Building this into our training. So we're doing regular weekly workshops with the team. Not just posting up the information, but the athletes going through the different exercises. So just to give you a little, a little idea, a little taste, at the end of this book, there's 10 different mindset exercises. Examples of what athletes would be able to do. So this would be, you'd be smart to start putting your athletes through some of this. Now with our team program, there's actually probably 60 more worksheets on top of this. Since we made this general for all sports, this is sports general. Our baseball mindset program, all the language is highly specific to baseball, right? If you're a tennis team, it's highly specific to tennis. And we see this very frequently with the teams we work with, because a lot of times we always hear about different budgeting issues, right? There's not a team in the country, well, not, not a team, but most teams have something going on with that, so for us, we say if you want to bring in your baseball team and your softball team together, sometimes the athletic director is more likely to jump on board with that because now you're helping the guys and the girls. Also, if you have a recreation program, youth program that feeds into your high school, that's another thing you can do, bringing in the youth programs. Now you're budgeting between your high school team and the, and the youth, right? Sometimes other sports, the athletic director will sometimes bring in baseball, soccer, tennis, and golf. That's fine, you could run the room with everyone, with the same exercises, but the baseball players are getting baseball-specific language. Tennis is getting tennis, wrestling is getting wrestling. So those are just some different ideas. 
when we talk about the predator mindset, like we said before, every coach in the country is saying, focus on what you can control, don't focus on what you can't control. But how do you get that message to stick? And from all levels, youth, through our Olympic teams, our UFC fighters, this really, this really resonates with them well. Actually, after we were here yesterday, we were at Ohio State, we spoke about this, and at Westside Barbell, the strongest gym in the world, bar none. We talked to Louis Simmons over there, who's been the coach there for years, bring out literally the strongest powerlifters. They have a powerlifter there who just totaled 3,100, which means his squat, bench, and deadlift was 3,100 pounds. Actually, 3,104 pounds. Nonetheless, we talked about that predator mindset again. You look at the animal kingdom, two types of animals, predator and prey. And how can you tell the difference just by looking at one? What do you think? Face? Face? Keep going with the face, whoever said that. What is it? The look on their face. The eyes. The eyes. So if you think about predator animals, lions and tigers and bears, oh my. <laughs> lions and tigers and bears, their eyes are where? In the front of their head or on the side? Front. Why do you think a predator animal needs to have their eyes in the front of their head? See straight ahead. Their focus is on what's going on in front of them. So we say to our athletes, eyes on the front like to hunt. Say it. Eyes on the front like to hunt. Right, now contrast that with prey animals. Squirrels, chipmunks, rabbits, deer. We're in hunt hunting season, right? Or just was something like that? Okay, prey animals, where are their eyes located? Front or side? Side. Why do those animals need their eyes on the side of their head? What's going on around them, right? What's going on around them? So is there, right, protection. So they're thinking more defense, whereas the predator is thinking offense. So we say eyes on the front like to hunt, we say eyes on the side like to hide. Say it. Eyes on the side like to hide. That's it, eyes on the side like to hide, eyes on the front like to hunt. Now you use this analogy with your players, and a lot of you teachers here use this with your students. Because it really sticks, they're able to remember it. You can apply this to baseball, to school, and to your whole life. The predator mindset. And again, we don't talk about predator, that's kind of like one of those taboo words now, but again, it's, we're making an analogy, right? We're all about, listen, we're all about faith too. Outside of our, our winning mindset program, we work with athletes, we also have um, a ministry of the side, spiritual strength, building athletes for Christ. I have a book that's coming out about that. So we're all about love, respect, and caring about other people. We're using it as a metaphor. Right, so you look at the predator mindset, sports, school, and life. The three things you have control over, on game day anyway, are effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. Write that down and burn that into your athletes' minds. Effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. You could also say your preparation, but I'm talking about on game day. Like, of course, your lifestyle, your preparation, your training, that's absolutely something in, in your direct control. But when you're actually out there right before a game, you've got to focus on the things that are within your control. Effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. You want to make it very simple. Effort, one question. Did I go all out or did I hold back? Black or white, keep it simple. Did I go all out or did I hold back? School, it's the same thing. Did you go all out or did you hold back? Did you ask questions in class? Did you sit in the front of the room? in college when there's not assigned seating? Are you waiting for your teachers and your parents to ask you to, for, to go in for extra help or get a tutor? Or are you the person who's going to the tutor? 
Are you going out of your way? Right? You've got to be the person who asks for help. That's an, that's an effort. That's an effort thing in school. And in life, again, we work, we have 80 mindset coaches with us all across the country. We have managers, we have a sales team, we have mindset coaches. Maybe some of you possibly might want to be mindset coaches or work with us after this. That'd be great. But we put out applications, we ask people who's, who's interested in doing this, we post it up on LinkedIn. We get 80, we get 80 applications that come back. Okay? Two people reach out and call me. Who do you think are the two people who are most likely to get the job? The people who reach out, right? So that's, so that's, so it's effort, but it's also actually, that's probably a better example of aggressiveness. Even better than effort, that's probably a better example of aggressiveness. They're going after it. So you're more likely to get the job. A lot of your students too, they want to go to law school, they want to go to a doctoral program, they want to go to, you know, get some kind of advanced education. Their name is going in a whole list of applicants. Okay, there's a lot of people who are applying to the program, hundreds, maybe thousands of people. What separates that student from the other one? You want to be the student who writes the director of the program an email. Get your name on the record. Talk to people you might have connections. So that's effort and it's, and it's aggressiveness. So we want to be training that. Like we said, baseball is always a metaphor to build virtue. You have to learn the big lesson. So take the lessons in baseball, apply them to school, and apply them to your whole life. Attitude. Attitude. A lot of people, when they think about mindset training, they think it's like kind of the softer stuff. Let's all, all hold hands in a circle and sing kumbaya and rainbows and sunshine and butterflies and things like that. Right? The reality is being a positive thinker is hard. You know that. Being a positive thinker is very hard. So one of the exercises, again, a concrete, practical exercise we give our athletes is when you catch yourself complaining, I just heard the speaker before say that, talking about complaining. When you catch yourself complaining, develop the mental discipline to immediately say three positive things. Ideally, three things you're thankful for. Right, what we talked about yesterday, the opposite of depression is not happiness, it's gratitude, it's thankfulness. So you catch yourself complaining, automatically, three things you're thankful for. Whenever, and, and, that's, and why do we pick the number three? Well, because that's taken from research. If you look at research, the best coaches, the best leaders, the best entrepreneurs, they have a three to one praise to critique ratio. I've actually heard it as high as five to one. Five praises to one critique when they're giving information. That's why you probably a lot of you have heard like the sandwich approach. You want to offer a critique, give a positive, give the critique, give a positive, right? So, that's how we got to talk to ourselves. If we know that's the research, we got to apply it. Always applying. Remember this, K minus A equals zero. Knowledge minus action equals nothing. If you know what to do, but don't do what you know, what good is it? Right, you might know it's important to get eight hours of sleep. Knowledge, did you get eight hours of sleep? Action, maybe you didn't, nothing happens. Or, or you don't maximize, maybe not nothing happens, but you don't maximize your improvement. Same thing with eating healthy, same thing with doing your extra training, doing your extra skills and drills, not only going 100% in practice, but also making sure that you're doing that on your own in times out of season. So we've got to make sure that we're doing that. So it's hard, you, you know, being a positive thinker, you want to give, you've got to develop that mental discipline. Again, looking at the best in the world, the best athletes, the happiest people, when they catch themselves complaining, they have to turn that situation around. That's a mental discipline. The last thing you want to do when you're having a bad day is to, is to go out of your way and say, no, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna think positive. You don't feel like doing it. 
right? You lose a game, you got a bad, you got a bad grade on the test, maybe a friend made fun of you, your coaches are getting down on you, and just when you think things couldn't get any worse, you find out your girlfriend ran off and left you for the drummer. You're not having a good day. Well, what do you do in those moments? It takes a very, very mentally tough person to, in those moments, think about the things they're thankful for. That's a hard thing to do. So we need to build that into what we're telling our athletes. Everyone can say be a positive thinker. That's not mindset training. The mindset training is, okay, what are the three biggest areas you complain about? Okay, I complain about doing math homework. I complain about whatever this, you know, doing extra weightlifting. I complain about this in practice. You write down those three areas, and then you have the athletes write down, what are five positives about those areas? That's doing the mindset training. It's not just a self-help, motivational speaking kind of thing. It's a goal-directed, collaborative interaction. There's a science to it. So again, if I say it once, I say it 93 times, you have to do the things we're telling you to do. You have to do the exercises. And again, where are we pulling it from? But the scientific research from the best athletes in the world that we see on these videos. Right, so effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. And that aggressiveness, as we said, mindset principle number two, who remembers it? Attitude? What was mindset? What the principle? Remember we did the principles yesterday? We said, I'm thankful for the opportunity to play. Number two was? Aggressive and relentless. Aggressive and relentless, right? So that goes along with that being aggressive, playing to win, not playing not to lose. So that's, that's the predator mindset, okay? The predator mindset is focusing on your effort, your attitude, and your aggressiveness. As coaches, what does that mean for us as coaches? That means we have to make sure that we're really putting time in on those three areas, and when we compliment our players, or if we critique them, it better be directly related to effort, attitude, aggressiveness, and their lifestyle of preparation. That also goes with that, right? If the kids see you get real excited when they win, and you're not as happy when they lose, or you know those kind of things, if you're too outcome-oriented, what happens is the kids pick up on it with your body language, and they start to tell themselves, this is all that matters. As I said yesterday, I love to win just as much as everyone in this room. I love to, I hate to lose just as much as anyone in this room. But we know from studying the best athletes, looking at the research, you're most likely to win when you're not focused on winning and losing. So we have to strategically not focus on winning and losing. Okay, one, one little caveat we might talk about here is that when, when you're promoting this as coaches, because you should be all over social media, that's a really big deal. That's the way of the future. So one of the things that we do is we're very big with building our social media presence because not only do the athletes have the mindset lessons, but then they could go on baseball mindset because you know the kids are on Instagram all the time. And as they're flipping through, now they can have those messages reinforced. That's what you want to do. You want to reinforce the messages to your kids all the time. In order to do that, you've got to be where the kids are. And where the kids are is Snapchat and Instagram. So you've got to be there. We know it's part of our business. We know the coaches are mostly on Twitter and Facebook. We gotta be on Twitter and Facebook. You gotta meet people where they're at. Okay, so as a coach, we might wanna sometimes hype it up on Twitter and on Facebook. We might wanna say, come and watch us against the number five team in the state because we're trying to sell tickets, build a crowd, get donors to get excited about it. So you do wanna blow that up on social media, but you have to communicate to your team that this is done strategically, okay? We don't care about records, rankings, seedings, and predictions. That would be prey mindset. Does that make sense? Because if I'm focusing on records, rankings, seedings, predictions, is that directly in my control? 
does that change your approach to the plate? Does that change your, you know, as a pitcher, what, what, you know, what you're going to be throwing based on what the team's ranked, based on seedings? It doesn't, right? So we need to make sure we get that out of our head. Comparing ourselves too much to other people, that hurts. Scouting, got to be real careful with scouting. I would say that a lot of times if we're too focused, see with a kid, you can tell a kid, be aware of what, the, what do they do, but don't, focus, but don't dwell on it. The problem is as humans, we do a bad job of that. We tend to dwell on things. So be real careful about scouting because if you're overly focused on your opponent, you're, you're more likely to do worse. You're much better at focusing on, on what is your job? What do I need to do in these different situations? I'll give you a great example. This 2016 Olympics were at the U.S. Greco-Roman team. We had an athlete who said he was from Wisconsin. He said he was more physically ready for the Olympics than any competition in his life. First round, I forget who he was going against, but he got on the line and the whole time. He knew his opponent, he scouted his opponent. He knew his opponent had a very good headlock. Steps on the line, watch his headlock, watch his headlock, watch his headlock. That's what he's thinking the whole time, right? And that's kind of normal. A lot of times we do this. Like you would think it is good to be aware of what your opponent does. Right? It's, it's important that he knows that headlock could be coming. But being aware of it and dwelling on it are two different things. And some kids are especially bad at separating those two things. So you have to know that as a coach. And then those kids, it's better to tell them nothing about what the opponent's doing. Okay? So I can tell you this, after again working with tens and thousands of athletes, most people say that their best competitions, their best ones, is the second exercise we do with athletes. Tell us about your three best performances. Tell us about your three worst performances. Almost everyone says their best competition is out of state. Out of state. What do you think that's, what do you think's going on there? It's because they don't know who they're competing against and they don't care who they're competing against. And eight or nine times out of 10, that's exactly the attitude you have to have. But when you're so aware of the players you're going up against and what their stats are, even focusing on our stats, that's prey mindset. That's not directly related to effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. The way you beef up your stats is focusing on effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. And I'll tell you, the hallmark of a professional, the way you can tell a professional, turn off the, turn off the sound, cover the score, and look at their body language. Can you tell the difference if they're winning or losing? Can you tell the difference if they're having a good day or a bad day? That's you. If you're if, if you're really at a high level, you should never be able to tell by looking at a player if they're winning or losing. You shouldn't be able to tell if it's World Series or pre preseason. Great videos I watched on Pete Rose, and they were saying about how his attitude was just so great. I mean, had to love the way he played the game, and just they were saying, well, they got mad at him because what did he do? He ran over the guy in the All Star game, and it was his friend. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And they were like, what are you doing? It's an all-star game. And he's like, what difference does it make what game it's, it's in? I'd play like that in, the, you know, in, the, in any time, even if it was a pickup game. That's, that's, what, that's how you become at that level, because he didn't care what, what game it was, right? So look at the best, study the best, especially in a sport like baseball. Like I said, baseball and sales, some of you are in sales, they're failure sports. You've got to be particularly positive with yourself. You have to be extra good at bouncing back. You have to understand that failures are part of the process. In fact, what I like to say is there's no such thing as failure, only feedback. Right? There's no such thing as losses, only learned lessons. Now I get it. I hate to lose. But this is what I need to tell myself if I'm going to get myself my head in the right place. Most wins of all time. As a pitcher, who is it? How many? 5'11". 
Who's the most losses of all time? Cy Young. How many? 400 something. I thought it was 3 something. I don't know. But it's 400 it, something. It, it's 4? High numbers. So here, the pitcher who had the most losses of all time, they named the MVP of pitchers after. Right? Okay? Who is the most strikeouts of all time for a baseball player? Uh, uh, hitter? Jackson. Reggie Jackson. Right? Mr. October. Paul Famer. Same kind of thing going on there, right? Okay, who made the most outs as a hitter in baseball history? A little tougher. That might be Pete Rose. It is Pete Rose. Very good. Pete Rose. Who had the most hits? Pete Rose. How many? Oh, 4,000 something. 4,256, I think that's what it is. Did you say that? 4,256? Yeah, yeah. 4,256. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, again, these are people that could not ascend to that level without understanding that failure is part of the process. So one of the mindset exercises we have the athletes do, they actually write down, what is your current definition of failure? And usually it has to do with losing, you know, going over three, whatever it is. And then we want to have them write down a new definition of winning and losing based on that predator mindset, effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. You have to redefine what success and failure means. And once you do that mentally, success comes. Success follows after that. So we have to take the time. We've got to put it to work. And it's not easy. Just like how your physical training isn't easy, just like your skills and drills aren't easy, Mindset's tough. You have to put it, you gotta be willing to take time. You set aside practice time, I get it. You only have so much time to practice, I understand that. But again, go back to what we said yesterday. If we're saying, you know, baseball's 90% mental, we have to make sure our practice time looks something like that, and we're allocating time for the mental training. Again, much different than just giving a presentation. It's doing these exercises, putting the pen to paper. So these athletes have internalized that failure is part of the process. That takes a lot of work. More prey mindset, comparing ourselves to other people. And this is, again, baseball and life. If you're comparing yourself too much to your teammates, maybe someone who's more talented than you, someone who's more successful, first of all, you're focused on the wrong thing. You don't have direct control over that. Maybe someone does have more talent. Maybe someone could get by with working less hard than you can, than you do. That has nothing to do with you. Now, take that lesson and apply that to life. Back to substance abuse, suicide, de depression, this whole vaping problem that we're seeing. If we're too much compared to other people, if we're comparing ourselves too much to other people, that's a road to those kind of things, okay? And these athletes have it worse than we did when we were competing. You have to feel for them a little bit. Okay, this generation is a little bit more entitled, right? There's certain things that we don't feel as bad about. They have a lot of things easier. In another way, in another sense, they have it a little bit tougher. Because these high school kids, and we talked about this with Louis Simmons at Westside Barbell yesterday, he said, what's wrong with kids now and everything? A lot of it has to do with social media. Not that it's bad in and of itself, and you better be on that because that's going to help your program. But these kids are in high school who are stud athletes. They're mini celebrities by the time they're 15. That's a, that's a big, you know, don't underestimate what that is because they're comparing to their friends. Again, it's sports and life. How come my friend has a girlfriend and I don't have a girlfriend? How come my friend's parents are together and my parents are divorced? How come my friend got 1,400 likes and I only got three? Right? And then especially once the postseason comes, once the postseason comes for all sports, you start seeing if you're, you know, you're an athlete, you're friends with other people who are athletes in your area. 
So people start making it into a big deal. Back to the, as we're talking about prey mindset, if we make a game a big deal, nine out of 10 times you're gonna lose. You don't wanna make it into a big deal. You wanna treat everything the same. Well, that begins in practice. You don't just wake up one day and that happens. Every game has to be the same. That's prey mindset. You say this is a big game and this is a small game. Now I get it. We all want to win championships, so we are gearing. We are trying to peak for a certain time of year. I understand all that, okay? But the key is we have to treat everything mentally exactly the same in practice, preseason, in season, and even when we're in the championship. Well, postseason rolls around in any sport, even at the professional level, even at the Olympics. We see it. The athletes, everyone starts talking about it. There's a lot of buzz. There's more information on Twitter. There's more information on, on Instagram. What does that do to a kid? Especially to a kid who hasn't put in the time mentally preparing to be in that moment. People crumble. We see it all the time. Because all their friends are focused on that. Go back to the best in the world. Look at what LeBron James does. In the playoffs, he goes on a social media blackout. Goes off of social media. Why? Because he understands he's human like anyone else. He could get sucked into that hype and that fan mentality. We call it the fan mentality. Okay, so he could get sucked into that too. So he goes off of it. And I remember watching an interview, an interview of LeBron in the playoffs, and they said to him, you know, your, your recent coach just said this on, the, on an interview. He's like, what do you think about that? And he's like, I didn't even know he said it. I'm, I'm off social media in the playoffs. That's the kind of attitude, looking at the best in the world. Then I can tell you, go back to Rio, the Olympics, our wrestling team, where if you know something about wrestling, there was two heavy favorites to win. One man and one woman. They were, they were defending world champions in 2015. Now they get to Rio, favorites to win, and both of them, I can see what's going on on social media because I'm following them, I'm watching what's going on. They're posting pictures with Serena Williams, the guy's posting pictures of uh, his shoe deal that's just coming out, they made a documentary of one of the athletes. There's so much hype in the Olympics. They were focusing on all that. Neither one of them placed. Not even, not even took a bronze, didn't even place. Then, 2017 rolls around, and they both win the Worlds again. Not placed, won the whole thing. What's going on there? Well, again, we're being in a very blessed position working with those teams. We asked the coaches, what was, you know, what was the story? And I kind of knew the story, but I wanted to hear the coach say it. And he said, you know, I would have done it differently. Back when Dan Gable was coaching, you guys know Dan Gable, probably the greatest American wrestler ever, he kept his team very guarded and very shielded from media for that reason, for that exact reason. Because again, in, in a sport like wrestling, Olympics only comes around every four years. So if you want to win that, you've got to be at your best that year. And we had two athletes that probably could have won it but didn't. I'm not saying it's entirely mental. I'm saying this is what the coach said. You could see those red flags. So we got to be careful about social media. So you want your athletes with the predator mindset not focusing on that, going back to effort, attitude, aggressiveness, being very, I don't want to say stubborn, very persistent with that attitude, not comparing to other people. Like I said, not only is it going to make you more likely to lose on the baseball field, you're also more likely to be depressed. Now, I was very blessed to have, if you want to call it, a predator mom. Because I remember I would say, well, why can't I go out and do this? My friends are allowed to do it, or why, why can't I do that? And she would say, straight up, I don't care what your friends are allowed to do. You're my son, you're not doing that. It had nothing to do, that was just never an excuse I could make with my mom. Why can't I do this? My friends are able to do it. It, it didn't matter. 
So that's what we want to be. We want to have that attitude where we're so focused on what we have to do. And that's why now is an unbelievable time to start with the mindset training because once you get the season and there's game after game and kids are thinking about starting and kids are thinking about who they're playing against next, it's a lot of information. The emotions are too high. They're in the middle of the war zone. Good thing about now is that now we can focus on building an entirely new mindset, right? We have some emotional distance from things. Yeah, they've been practicing, but they might not have been playing in games as consistently as they would during the season. So my recommendation is when you do the mindset training, ideally it's sometime before. Again, we do mindset training with teams in season, but that's why I said yesterday, we have phase one and phase two. Phase one is more geared towards building that foundation. You start slamming these kids with this information right before the season, okay, sometimes it sticks, but kids need more time to let it sit. They need almost everything you knew about sports mentally, because that's what I had to do. Big mistake I made, just like I said, with predator-prey mindset, you don't want to make any game special. Okay, so that goes for taking a test, that goes for a job interview, that goes for asking a girl out on a date. When you say, this is a big deal, I have to do well, you're more likely to do worse. You're more likely to choke. There's maybe one in 10 people that they succeed with that pressure, but it's very few people. Very few people, and it doesn't mean you're any less mentally weak. So, we say don't make it into a big deal. My brother, before his state finals match, this is back in high school, before I learned anything about mindset. I hate telling the story, but it's so important because everyone could have learned from it. And it's, you watch the movie Any Given Sunday, you watch the movie Miracle, and you see the coaches give the team a really big pep talk. And then what do they do? They go up, they get excited, and they go out and win. Different story. When you watch the top athletes, and you listen to their interviews after games and competitions, they say something very different. I was just being me, just doing what I do. That interview with Lance Bergman after the World Series, that, I wrote that story in the book. That's why he, he reached out, because he saw he was in the book. When he was down, when the team was down to two outs, he was down to the last strike, and he got a hit tied up the game, they, they would have lost the World Series with him in 2011 World Series, if you remember that, the Cardinals. And not only did they come back and win that game, then they won the next game. They asked him in the interview, what were you thinking? And he said, I was just, he's like, I was just looking to have a good at bat. I knew I was probably gonna make it out. He's like, but I was just trying to have a good at bat and put the bat on the ball. So most athletes, they're just treating it the same. I watched with those high level athletes, oh, I watched the, um, the Hollywood movies and I said, I, so I was like, okay, I gotta give my brother a speech before his state finals match. And I really made him nervous. After that, you know, his eyes were as wide as saucers, he was like a deer in the headlights, hands real clammy, and he wound up losing to an athlete that he beat a lot of times. And I hate telling the story, but it's so important. When you tell a team, this is it, now or never, do or die, make it or break it, there is no tomorrow, most people choke. So we have, yes, too much pressure. So we have to rethink sometimes all the things that we've done, and it takes time. We'll sum it up with that. It, just, it, it takes time, just like your training, just like your strength, just like your conditioning. And sometimes the best players, they need the most mindset training because they're the ones who can get a scholarship. They got the scouts coming to the game. They're the ones that all the pressure's on. Everyone's expecting them to come through. So it's not just like, oh, only mentally weak people need to work on this. Look at that, Tom Brady, best guy on his team, was the one who was doing the mindset training. So again, like I said, using baseball as a vehicle to build virtue, right? Sports, school, or life, mindset makes the difference. Thank you very much. And that is a wrap from today's podcast. I'm Gene Zanetti from Winning Mindset. Make sure you guys go to our website. Make sure you go to zwinningmindset.com. 
make sure you buy the book. The ebook is great, excellent information, represents some of the great information that we've learned from top athletes, working with some of the top teams and individuals all across the country. Go to our website, zwinningmindset.com. Make sure you get the ebook. Also, make sure as an individual, you sign up for the one-on-one free trial consultation. That's the one-on-one free trial consultation with one of our mindset coaches. The best results always come from one-on-one attention, whether it's strength training, whether it's technique, or whether it's mindset. One-on-one is always the best. Thanks for staying with, with us. Make sure you join us next time for the next episode. Mindset makes the difference. Have a great day.